Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, strikeouts. And goes down. That's eight strikeouts for Shane McClanahan. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco. To the left of the bag, he turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. This week in Rays Baseball starts right now. And hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest program. My name is Chris Adams-Wall. We're glad to have you with us. In this week's show, we'll sit down with featured guests Randy Arozarena, Yandy Diaz, and Shane McClanahan as the talented trio tells us what it means to be selected as American League All-Stars. Major League Field Coordinator and Catching Coach Tomas Francisco will join us to talk about pitching to Randy Rosarena in the Home Run Derby. We'll speak with Rays Director of Amateur Scouting Chuck Ritchie to preview tonight's MLB draft. And finally, Neil gets together with Wade Boggs ahead of the legendary third baseman and his Hall of Fame induction ceremony to the Rays later this afternoon. And we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with Yandy Diaz and Rays translator Manny Navarro. Continue amos in this week in Rays Baseball con Yandy y con Manny. Muchas gracias por tu tiempo. Thank you for your time. No, gracias a por la entrevista. Yeah, thank you for the interview. So congratulations on being voted an all-star for the first time, Yandy. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Felicidades por haber sido elegido all-star por la primera vez, Yandy. ¿Cuál fue su reacción cuando escuchó la noticia? No, me sentí muy contento. No esperaba estar en un juego de estrellas, tú sabes. Eh, he tenido buen año este año, pero bueno, no me esperaba estar ahí, pero me siento contento. I'm very happy and very content. I didn't expect myself to be into the All-Star game, but I think after the, the season that I'm having, I think uh, I'm very happy to be there. And you are the first ever Tampa Bay Rays first baseman elected to start an All-Star game, and you beat out Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to do it. What do both of those things mean to you? Tu eres el primer, primera base de los Reyes, elegido para iniciar un juego de estrellas y venció a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. para hacerlo. ¿Qué significan ambas cosas para ti? No me siento contento, ya que, como usted dice, Vladimir Guerrero tomó la primera base, y, no, y como él es mucho más, pero me sentí contento cuando pude ganarle la votación. No, I'm very happy, and you know, Vladimir is a really good player, and he you know, probably is a bigger name than I am, so it feels pretty good to be able to, to beat him out of it. You are having a career year here in 2023. To what do you attribute you having so much success 
estás teniendo un año de carrera aquí en 2023, ¿a qué atribuyes que tengas tanto éxito? No, simplemente el, el enfoque que siempre he tenido todos los años, pero parece que este año he tenido como mejores resultados y los resultados están saliendo, gracias a Dios. I think it's the focus. I think I've kept the focus that I've had the last few years, and I don't know if I'm just more focused because I think the results are coming out this year. And the Rays are having an incredible season as well, and there are plenty of people out there who would say that you are a big reason why and that you even might be the team MVP. So what do you say to those people? Los Rays también están teniendo una temporada increíble, y hay muchas personas que dirían que usted es un gran razón y que incluso podría ser el MVP del equipo. ¿Qué le dices a esta gente? No, no, simplemente yo trato de hacerle un buen compañero, tratar de, de siempre jugar fuerte todos los días, tratar de, de, de ayudar al equipo y eso es lo que siempre hago con esa mentalidad. I'll simply just try to be uh, the best teammate I can be, try to help out the team as much as I can, and then my focus is on just helping the team win. And last question, I promise. If you could speak to your younger self as a young kid growing up in Cuba, do you think he'd be proud of the player and the person that you'd become? Si pudieras hablar con tu yo más joven cuando eras un niño que creció en Cuba, ¿qué le dirías y qué estaría orgulloso del jugador y la persona en la que te has convertido? No, simplemente decirle que tú sabes que cuando uno se esfuerza y uno se mete en la cabeza algo que quiere, lo puede conseguir y ese es como el consejo que lo puedo dar a Yandy ahora. Yeah, I think with the, the efforts that I've done and, and if you can accomplish anything you put your mind to, I think that's what the younger Diaz and that's what I would tell the younger Diaz as well. Well, thank you both for your time. Muchas gracias por tu tiempo. Thank you. Right, thank you. And we appreciate the time of Yandy Diaz and Manny Navarro. We also got a chance to catch up with Randy Arena and Manny Navarro. So, Randy, congratulations on being voted an All-Star for the first time. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Felicidades por haber sido elegido All-Star por la primera vez. ¿Cuál fue su reacción cuando escuchó la noticia? Muy, muy feliz, la verdad. Contento, sé que me lo merecía. He trabajado muy fuerte para poder un día jugar en un juego de estrella. La verdad, el sacrificio que he tenido hasta hoy Es, es merecedor de, de este juego de la estrella y la verdad muy contento I'm very happy very content to being able to be uh, voted into an all-star game and having this opportunity I think it shows of all the hard work that I've put in um, and I think with the sacrifices that I've put in uh, with the work and everything that I've done it's helped me get into the all-star game and I'm very grateful for that now you are having a sensational season and the fans have obviously noticed do you feel like this is your best season yet and if so why? Estás teniendo un temporada sensacional y la ficción obviamente lo ha notado. Sientes que esta es tu mejor temporada hasta ahora y si es así, ¿por qué? Bueno, yo creo que de la temporada que he tenido ha sido mejor comienzo, no la mejor temporada, porque falta la segunda mitad. Cuando termine la segunda mitad, si la termino así, Va a ser mi mejor temporada de las tres que he tenido. Pero la verdad me siento muy contento con el gran trabajo que he venido haciendo, poder ayudar al equipo a contribuir en la victoria. Y eso es muy bueno, eh, poder que aportar a, a esa victoria y el equipo siga avanzando y poder estar en un play otra vez. 
As far as this season, I think it has been so far the best start to any season that I've had. Um, obviously, because it's only been the first half and we haven't gone in the second half, um, at least in the three seasons that I've been here so far. But what I'm uh, mostly proud about is just everything I'm able to contribute with this team um, in any way that I can to help this team win. And that's the most important part is just try to get here and try to advance as much as we can. Now, you're also going to participate in the Home Run Derby on Monday, and we know you were lobbying pretty hard for that opportunity. How excited are you about that? And why did you want to participate in the Home Run Derby? También vas a participar en el Home Run Derby el lunes. Y sabemos que estabas cabildeando mucho por esa oportunidad. ¿Qué tan emocionado estás por eso y por qué quisiste participar en el Home Run Derby? La verdad, muy contento porque me había invitado a Home Run Derby. Fue algo que pedí, algo que quise. La verdad, hice la, me la paso muy bien. Fue mi, en mi primer juego de estrella que estuve aquí cuando empecé a jugar profesional en la clase A fuerte. Participé en un ron derby, ahí lo pude ganar. Eh, cuando voy al campo, lo que más me gusta es dar honrones y nada como el ron derby para hacer lo que te gusta. Y la verdad me siento muy emocionado y espero ganarlo. No, I'm very happy that I was invited uh, to participate in the Home Run Derby. It's what I wanted. It's what uh, um, I kept on wanting to do. It was a goal of mine. I had participated in the Home Run Derby in high A before in my first professional year here, and, uh, and I ended up winning that one. And if there's something that I want to do and I love to hit home runs, why not do it in the Home Run Derby and try to do something that you love? And last question, we have to know, are you planning on doing the pose at some point during the Home Run Derby or the All-Star Game? Y uh, pregunto última. Y tenemos que saber, ¿planeas hacer la pose en algún momento durante el Home Run Derby o el All-Star Game? Siempre esa pose me va a llevar siempre. Eh, la voy a hacer antes, la voy a hacer en la mitad, la voy a hacer en, y después también. Y toda la afición también la va a hacer porque eso es algo que me representa y algo que la afición también le gusta. I think always. I think that's just, that pose is just going to stay with me. I might do it before. I might do it in the middle. I might do it after. You know, that just gives me the, the energy to kind of move on because I know the fans are going to be doing it all the time. Muchas gracias, Randy y Manny. And we appreciate the time of Randy and Manny. We also sat down with Ray's lefty, Shane McClanahan. Shane, thanks for taking the time, first of all. You're welcome. <laughs> Congratulations on being a, voted an all-star, though, for the second time in your career and for the second straight year. I know you talked about this with the media in Seattle this past weekend, but for our listeners, what does it mean to you to have your peers vote you in for a second straight season? It's, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, one of the things I like most about the pitcher voting is the fact that, you know, you're chosen by the peers, the guys that you compete against, the guys you go to work with, and, you know, to be selected by them, it, it's it's for me, the highest honor. And we know you're currently on the 15-day IL because of some mid-back tightness. How are you feeling, first and foremost? Feeling good. Um, you know, we're, we're working. I'm working hard every single day with, with the training staff on the field, my, my conditioning, my lifting, and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously you don't want to be here, but it's one of those things where, you know, best-case possible scenario possible, you know, missing one start, get to go on the all-star break, you know, get rested and come back and help this team win a lot more ball games in the second half. No one wants to get injured. No. Was it an extra kind of a bummer, though, to get injured right before the All-Star game? Because, no secret, yeah. you probably had a pretty good chance to start this game again. Um, you know what? It wasn't so much a, a bummer that I couldn't do that. It was a bummer that you know, something's not feeling 100%. And you know, it's one of those things where I you know, talked with Cash, talked with Snyder, and 
they, they were very proud of me for you know saying something because they knew I could have kept pitching. I knew I could have kept pitching, but you know, I want to pitch at 100%, and they want me to pitch at 100%. And if this was September, October, I'm taking that ball. I'm getting, I'm getting on something. I'm going out there and I'm making my start. You know, sure. making my innings and. You know, if this if this was the time, absolutely. But you know, we're in a very good spot right now, and with where we are in the season, the All Star break coming up, the days off, it was just the best best case scenario where I miss one start, get my body feeling good, and have it kind of you know physical reset, mental reset, and you know get ready to go for the second half. Having said that, how cool was it to start last year's All Star game at Dodger <laughs> Stadium? So that was last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was cool. Um, a little more focused on this year. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm excited to get out there. I'm excited for my start, and uh, yeah, I'm ready, ready, ready to get back on the mound. Man, I hate, I hate not pitching. Yeah. Can't golf then. <laughs> can't, can't take F1's money on the course. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to get back out there for my guys. You know, I, I, these guys work so hard, and you know, I want to go out there and just give everything I can for them. Is this your first time experiencing back problems in your career? I wouldn't call it back problems. It's not debilitating by any means. It was just, it's one of those things where it's just something was a little off, you know, a little tight. And, you know, like I said, it was one of those things where that could probably kept pitching, but it just wasn't the right move. And um, you know, we're working on it. I'm working on it. They're working on it. Whatever. And uh, I'm ready to get back out there. I, I hate not playing. I'm curious. Have you taken time to reflect on your journey to the pitcher in person? You are now. I had you in Montgomery four years ago. And this weekend, I heard you talk about how much you've matured over the years. You don't you, think so? No, no I, I, hey, I'm going to let you answer, Shane, okay? You also became the first pitcher in big league history to make his big league debut in the postseason back in 2020. Weird year, obviously, but you still go down in the history books for that. How much growth do you feel like you've experienced since even 2019 or since 2020 when you first made your big league debut in the postseason? You got to do a lot of growing up quick when you're thrown into the fire. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I had to learn at the big league level. And um, the big leagues has a way of making you realize you're cut out for it or you're not cut out for it. And um, by God, did I want to make it. And so, you know, I did whatever I could to do with Snyder with these guys in the front office, this training staff, to just, hey, what can I do? What do I got to do? Let's let's work on it. Let's get it done. And, you know, it's um, you got to make the adjustments quick mm-hmm. or it'll chew you up and spit you right out. But you made those adjustments, didn't you? Seems so. Yeah. <laughs> what were the adjustments? I'm just curious. A lot. I don't have enough time to tell you. Okay. <laughs> and we are out of time, but we appreciate you taking it. Shane McClanahan, hope you get healthy soon. Congratulations on being an all-star again. We'll talk to you again down the line. Thank you so much. Well, we certainly appreciate Yandy Diaz, Randy Arosarena, and Shane McClanahan taking the time to talk with us about their respective all-star selections. Coming up on This Week in Rays Baseball, Major League Field Coordinator and Catching Coach Tomas Francisco will join us to talk about pitching to Randy Arosarena in the Home Run Derby. Then we'll sit down with Rays Director of Amateur Scouting, Chuck Ritchie, to preview tonight's MLB Draft. That's coming up next on the Rays Baseball Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We continue on this week in Rays baseball with Major League Field Coordinator and Rays catching coach Tomas Francisco. Thanks for taking a few minutes. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me here, and let's roll. So I know that you guys were just in Seattle, but you're going to be going back to Seattle for the All-Star Game, specifically to throw to Randy Rosarena in the Home Run Derby on Monday. How excited are you about that? Oh, really excited, really excited. Um, when we go back a couple of years ago, when during the pandemic, it was in the alternate side, and we got together, like, um, we got to know each other. He likes my BP, so the other day when he got asked to go to the home from derby, he asked me, hey, how's your arm feel? I said, great. Uh, you want to go to throw BP to me in the home from derby? I'm like, yes. And when he told me that, I'm so excited. You know, my first year in the big leagues as a coach and got the opportunity to go to All-Star um, to throw in the home from derby, that's, that's pretty awesome. Did you anticipate him asking you, or was that kind of out of the blue? I would say a lot of guys, a lot of guys have started telling me, hey, yes, like he's going to ask you to go there. But I was like, okay, yeah, if he asked me, I'm good to go. And when, when he did, like, everybody was like, yeah, we knew it. Yeah. <laughs> well, on Wednesday, you were at the Trop, and you were throwing BP to these guys. You were throwing to Randy, who was practicing for the Home Run Derby. So I'm curious, how does one throw a successful BP during a home run derby, what are the keys? I would say we we, we practiced in Seattle for a little bit on Sunday, mm-hmm. and we did a game today, just making sure that I hit the spot that he, he wants. He likes a pitch opening, just to put a good swing on it, and that's what I'm going to try to do, just hit that spot every time, and we'll see what we do. And you're going to be on national television, too. Are you feeling any pressure leading up to the, to the home run derby? That question, everybody asks me the same question, and I would say right now I don't feel anything, but I bet, you know, a lot of emotions, a lot of things going to show up that day, and I, I cannot describe that moment right now. How are you going to pace out your pitches, though? Because the home run derbies run a little bit different than it has throughout the majority of, of Major League history. It's now on a clock, so your time. So how are you going to go about planning for that? right now we're just practicing and trying to do a little rapid fire do a little quicker than usual you know we're gonna talk about the rules and all that but the more we're gonna do it one more time the quicker we go the in better shape it's gonna be to do it so let's see this isn't your first time pitching in a home run derby though because i heard years ago when the minor leaguers used to come up here they had one right at tropicana field and you threw to them yes yes we have we have a couple of times to instruction my league we have this special day what we do the home run derby we do we have the catchers on throwing to the bases and i got a chance to throw to j-lo i got a chance to throw to franco in the home run derby and it's fun it's fun to when you see all those balls going out of the park and it's it's just a fun for everybody well we wish you only the best thanks for taking a few minutes on this week in race baseball and let's go win this thing for randy right let's do it thank you for having me <laughs> We thank Tomas Francisco for his time and wish him and Randy only the best in tomorrow's Home Run Derby. We also caught up with Ray's first-year director of amateur scouting, Chuck Ritchie. Chuck spent the past nine seasons as the Ray's national cross-checker after joining the organization in October of 2013. 
and I asked him about how thrilled he was when he finally found out about his promotion. It was great. I mean, I think you always have the idea you can do the job, but being here that long, I kind of wanted it either to happen here or I was willing to stay here, you know, for the end of my career. And what were you doing as the national cross-checker? Um, I think I've been afforded a lot of opportunity here that um, maybe other national cross-checkers aren't, and that started with Andrew Friedman uh, and R.J. Harrison and con- continued with Rob and Eric. I think I've been, um, you know, in the loop, I guess you could say, with a lot of different things, which really enabled me to do this job, and the transition, I think, is, is it's made it a lot easier, that's for sure. And so you are now responsible for all of the day-to-day scouting activities within the U.S., Canada, and Puerto Rico to prepare the race for the draft, which is coming up later today. Obviously an incredibly important position for a club that has been renowned for building around homegrown, drafted, and developed talent. So having said that, how does one prepare for all 20 rounds of their first ever Major League draft? Well, I think... Once again, I've been involved in it so long. I was the national cross-checker for a long time with Cleveland. So I've been part of successful drafts and maybe some drafts that haven't gone so well. So I think you learn by that. Um, but I think the biggest difference now is just the amount of information about the players, whether it's scouting evaluations, whether it's uh, information coming from our analysts. So it's really our job to pull it all together. Um, and it's really a 12-month process. I mean, we've got our scouts are already out seeing the players for 2024 um, for the past few weeks, whether that be Cape Cod or Team USA. So I think the scouting calendar never ends, it seems mm-hmm. like, nowadays. Now, the Rays have a couple of first-round picks, 19th and 31st overall. And I know you probably can't spill the beans on who specifically the club is targeting, but just to give our listeners a bit of an inside scoop, which positions within the Rays organization do you feel need to be addressed in today's draft? Well, I think that's the best thing about being with the Rays. I think we're extremely open-minded. We're forward-thinking. We're, we're ready for anything. I, don't, I think I've told people this before, and I truly believe it. I, I think the best philosophy is don't have one. I think you have to be prepared for any type of player, whether that's a high school player, a college player, a junior college player. Um, and the, I think the beauty of picking 19, you never know what's going to be there. So you have to be ready for any scenario. And I guess that would be one of the biggest challenges, right? What are the biggest challenges in evaluating amateur baseball talent? And especially when you don't know necessarily who's going to go 1 through 18. Uh, And why do you think the Rays have had so much success in both drafting and developing players, especially in recent years? Well, I I think it's a combination. I think we've got excellent um, evaluators. We have excellent analysts. And it's just how, I guess, the two work together. And then I think it's, it's obvious. I think our minor league system, I think our coaches do a great job. We've got all the confidence in the world that they can develop any type of player. And I think it's kind of pride, whether you're a minor league coach with us or a scout, that we have to, we have to develop the players. We have to develop our own players to be successful. And I, and I think it really pushes us maybe a little bit harder than some other teams. So we've talked about the Rays for a little bit. Let's talk about you now, Chuck Ritchie. You pitch for 11 different minor league teams affiliated with five different major league franchises, the Baltimore Orioles, the Boston Red Sox, the Oakland Athletics, the Montreal Expos, throwback there, and the team the Rays played earlier this week, the Philadelphia Phillies, the same club for whom you made your major league debut back in 1995. Now, you pitched in seven games for the Phillies that year, and you had really good numbers, too. You were 1-0 with a 1.8 ERA. 
Just how thrilling was it for you to finally make your big league debut after toiling in the minors for as long as you did? And what do you remember about that debut and those seven games? Well, it was an accomplishment for sure. Um, I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, so being able to pitch for my hometown team was, you know, even even better. Um, but no, it's a lot of work. I think uh, I tell everybody I got a cup of coffee. I just wish they would allow me to finish it. <laughs> but uh, it was great. It was a great month. It made it all worthwhile, and I think it set me up for a career in, in scouting as well. What do you remember about your major league debut, though? Anything specifically? Uh, I'm I'm pretty fortunate. I think my first major league strikeout, uh, Jeff Bagwell. So that wow, you know okay. that that's always one that uh, you remember. But no, it was uh, it was against the Astros. It was three innings. Um, so it was great. I mean, it was everything you imagine. You don't want you know you don't want the season to end when you're in the big leagues. That's for sure. You never know if you're going to get back. Yeah. I read somewhere that you also appeared as a member of the Cleveland Indians in the 1994 film Major League Two, which was one of my personal favorites. Being a broadcaster, take over money. I'm in the bag. Fly ball. Long pause caught it's one of my favorites how did that opportunity come about though and what was that like I imagine that must have been a blast well I was playing in uh double a for the Orioles we were in Bowie but we were actually playing in Baltimore because the stadium wasn't done we were playing at the old stadium Memorial Stadium and uh a couple of us had heard that they were going to be filming the next major league in Baltimore a lot of people don't realize that it was filmed in Baltimore and Harrisburg so we went to the casting, and a couple of us got lucky enough to do it. It was the off-season job. It worked out great. We made a little extra money and got to, you know, kind of live the life for about two and a half months. So it was a blast. How many scenes are you in? I thought I was going to be in a lot more until you see the final edit. So it's, uh, it, a lot didn't, didn't make it to the final uh, cutting, I guess. But it, it was great. It was a great experience. Did you get to meet Rick Vaughn? Yeah, yeah, we kind of got to hang out with those guys a little bit with Tom Berenger and uh, Charlie Sheen and stuff. So it was fun. It was a blast. And you never played for Cleveland, but you did work for the franchise as a scout after retiring as a player. What were some some of the things that you learned during your time as a scout? An extremely difficult position, to say the very least. Well, I think um, I got very fortunate when I got done playing. I, I immediately went into scouting. I actually had an interview set up uh, before my last AAA season ended. It's kind of what I knew I wanted to do. Um, and I've worked for six different scouting directors. So I think you learn a lot from each of them that prepares you to do this job, whether it be John Marabelli, uh, Josh Burns, R.J. Harrison, Rob Metzler. You really, it, I think if you work under one person for a long time, you kind of hear the same voice. And being in two different organizations and working for all those scouting directors, I think it really gave me different perspectives, which really has helped. What's the best piece of advice that you learned from being a scout? Because I imagine you hear a lot of different things. There are a ton of scouts throughout this industry, but what's the one piece of advice that stands out over the other ones? I think it actually wasn't from a scout. I remember uh, when R.J. Harrison asked me to come over here to be the national cross-checker, um, I had a relationship with him, and he said you know, I had to meet Andrew Friedman um, before it was kind of a done deal. So I came down and spent the day with Andrew, and this was when kind of the information age was really taking off and scouting. And he made a great comment to me, and it stuck with me. He said, listen, we just want all the information to make a better decision. And that's really stuck with me, whether that's, you know, the data, whether that's the evaluations, whether that's the makeup. I think you have to bring all that information in when you're making your final evaluation. And would you say that's your favorite part about working for an organization like the Tampa Bay Rays, just the wealth of information 
available to you? Well, I think you're always challenged with new things, with new ideas, um, just the brainstorming and how we can get better each day and, and just being around a, a Hamilton Marks in our office who helps me bring it all together and just he's probably one of the most talented guys I've ever been around. It's just it, it's kind of cool. At, at the point I am in my career, it kind of gives you a – it really refreshes you, I think. Well, Chuck, we really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck with the draft later today, and we'll see who's coming to the race. Sounds great. Thank you. Well, we appreciate the time of both Tomas Francisco and Chuck Ritchie. Coming up on This Week in Rays Baseball, Neil sits down with Tampa Bay legend Wade Boggs ahead of the third baseman's induction to the Rays Hall of Fame. Stay with us. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. In this 25th anniversary season, we're highlighting some of the greatest Rays and some of the greatest stories in Tampa Bay's illustrious history. Our very own Neil Solon's caught up with Tampa Bay legend Wade Boggs, who will be inducted into the Rays Hall of Fame later this afternoon. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, it's it's a tremendous honor. And uh, my body of work there really doesn't constitute being in the Hall of Fame. But... Um, like I, like I've I've said before, I've I've uh, done a lot of things in Tampa Bay. I've coached. I've been in the front office. Uh, I I was a player, but uh, I I think that the 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 chase for three thousand is is probably what solidified uh, uh, that honor. It certainly was one of the early great moments in this organization's history, and is still the only race player to have picked up their 3000th hit with Tampa Bay before we get to that great moment. Can you touch on or walk us through the process of what led you to originally sign with the then devil rays and why it was so important to you and, and how that whole process uh, started and eventually came to a conclusion. Well, I had, I had an option with the Yankees uh, for the 98 season. And my agent, Alan Nero, at the time was talking with uh, George Steinbrenner and, and the Yankees. And and they were in the inclination of uh, they weren't going to pick up my option. So uh, the next thing was to reach out to uh, Mr. Namoli and Chuck Lamar to see if uh, they had an interest in me coming down to Tampa Bay. And coincidentally, they had a huge interest uh, for me coming home, uh, my chase for 3000 uh, being part of a, a, a new franchise, uh, being the veteran player. Uh, I had 16 years in and everybody else had uh, 16 days. So um, it was an easy decision on my part to, to come home and, and play in front of family and friends. Uh, I don't know if this would have been uh, something I would have entertained uh, early in my career, uh, but uh, it was time for me to come home and uh, s- sort of start laying the groundwork for the uh, new 
organization and and be a part of that uh, foundation. Do you remember anything special about the conversations you had back then with either Chuck Lamar or Vince? No, not really. Uh, I, I left that all up to uh, my agent and and they were discussing and I got a phone call from Chuck saying, congratulations, uh, you're a Tampa Bay Devil Ray. And I went, outstanding. It, at least I had a place to play. Uh, since the Yankees didn't pick up my option, I didn't have to beat the bushes and go looking for a job through free agency. Um, I came home. And that was the uh, that was the selling point of, of coming home is to, uh, like I said, play in front of family and friends. When you started that big league career of yours, as successful as it was, did you ever think that that was going to be conceivable during your career? Well, it, it was very difficult for Tampa Bay to get a, a franchise. Uh, there were there were rumors of, of uh, San Francisco moving to Tampa Bay. Um, we needed a location, and that was always questionable. And then they built the TROP, and so now they could entertain offers of, of possibly one day getting a, a major league franchise. Uh, growing up in Tampa Bay um, – and having the Reds train here in Tampa, uh, baseball was something that uh, the Tampa Bay area always loved. And and once uh, Tampa got a team, I, I think that the, the excitement poured over with uh, the inaugural season in 98 of, of how much people uh, really enjoy baseball here in Tampa Bay. What do you remember about that first game and that first day wearing the uniform? Well, I, I'm, I'm sure that Vegas didn't have uh, me hitting the first Devil Ray home run. That was probably uh, one of the one of the highlights of my opening day in, in Tampa Bay. But uh, Ted Williams uh, throwing out the first pitch, I get to catch that. Um, just the electricity that um, finally Tampa uh, Tampa has 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 got a, a baseball team, and it was it was really electric and and. I had been through um, 16 opening days and there were a lot of guys on the team that this was their first opening day. And, and uh, we had a packed house, but um, it was uh, extremely exciting for the Tampa Bay area. Catching that first pitch from Ted Williams. Can you describe what that was like for you? Obviously I know you had uh, a, a certain relationship before with him that you had a chance to. Yeah, I, I had uh, actually I I had told uh, uh, Rick Vaughn at the time I said um, I'm going to catch Ted Williams. I don't care. I, I'll have I'll beat anybody off of uh, of, of that uh, honor. Uh, going back uh, with all my conversations when in my Boston days with uh, with Ted, idolized him and and uh, it was it was a a great thrill and a great honor for me to uh, to do that. What did you learn from him over the years, and how did he make you a better player and better hitter? Patience and discipline. Those were probably the two biggest things that, that I, I took away from Ted. Uh, we had different swings, naturally. Uh, Ted was hips out of hands. I was inside out. But uh, the one thing that, that resonated through, through our talks was the fact that uh, you've got to get a good pitch to hit, and if you get it, don't miss it. And the cover of his book is sort of self-explanatory on, on, on the strike zone and trying to get a good pitch to hit. 
and being patient enough to uh, to get that good pitch. If not, then be satisfied with a walk and and continue to move the line along. Has there been a hitter that's had a greater influence on him than you? And if if it is someone else, who would that be? Well, I go back to my Boston days with Walt Reniak. I mean, you know, Walt sort of butted heads with Ted when he was in spring training that uh, Ted would teach hitting one way and Walt would have to uh, correct everybody when they got to the big leagues because Ted was down in the minor leagues uh, teaching kids uh, hips out of hands and get get the bat head out and and turn on balls and and this type of of, uh, philosophy. And... Walt was more or less the Charlie Lau guy, uh, inside out. But uh, I, I think there are comparisons from uh, both philosophies that you can take and and dissect and and create your own philosophy. Can you walk us through the process toward hit number three thousand? So many, so few ball players in the sport get a chance to do that. And then we'll get to the the day when you picked up the hit and it happened to be a home run. Well, I had, I had uh, a lot of conversations in, in 98 with uh, Paul Molitor and about chasing 3,000 and what that day was, was going be like, going to be like, uh, what, what that upcoming week was going to be like. Uh, and he just said, "Enjoy the ride. It's, it's just so special that, that very few players ever get to this plateau. And I was on the verge of seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and it was getting brighter and brighter every day and got uh, a double in uh, Seattle and slid in awkwardly and actually tore cartilage in my knee. So that was uh, that part of, of, uh, uh, of my knee surgery ending my Tampa Bay career. But, but uh, getting back to uh, that Saturday, uh, my son Brett was the bat boy uh, for for those games at home, and and we were driving across the bridge on that Saturday, and he, I said, "What do you think, buddy?" And he says, uh, "You got it tonight, Dad." And and it was kind of funny because I I, I think I was a two fifteen two twenty hitter off of Charlie Nagy, and and didn't have too much success off of him, but uh, he was confident. I let him pick out the uh, the bat that I used, and he rubbed up the game balls for for the umpires and the, in the umpires room. And, and so he was, he was a big part of, of, uh, that, that day and got, uh, 2998 and 2999. And I'm on first base and Jim told sits there and says, uh, Bogsy, this is, this is the most exciting thing I've ever been around. And I said, you and me both brother. And he goes one more. He says, You'll get it tonight. I said, well, hopefully. And then uh, coincidentally, they bring in uh, Chris Haney. And and to lighten the moment, I, I walked back to the dugout. My son was sort of my shadow the whole time. And and Larry Rothschild had said, uh, uh, Wade, we're, we're going to uh, pinch hit for you now. And my son's eyes just got big as saucers. And, and uh, I said, no. I, I said, I've waited uh, uh, 18 years for, for this moment and uh, I'll beat you with, I'll beat you with this bat. And, and he says, Oh, I was just joking. Just trying to lighten up the, the moment. And I said, you don't need to lighten up this moment. It, it's, it's a long time coming and got to two, two and, and uh, spun a curveball. And 
right when I right when I hit it, I knew it was gone. And I said, well, I'm not, not going to get that back. And coincidentally, uh, Mike Hogan, who uh, caught the ball, uh, brought it to the dugout or brought it to the uh, clubhouse rather after the game and, and gave it to me. And he said, it'll look a lot better on your mantle than it will on mine. And uh, he was he was so gracious in, in that fact. So it was it was crazy. It was it was 18 years of of wondering if I would ever get to that plateau. And, 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 and I sort of had a feeling after 10 years when I had 2000 hits that uh, it was going to be a possibility, but August 7th, when uh, it came to fruition, it was uh, one of those special moments that, uh, that a, a lot of people were there, 43, 44,000, uh, a lot of light bulbs going off. So um, it was, it was very special for me. And, and sort of etched my uh, name in in, uh, in Devil Ray history. To share that moment with your son, can you put that in some sort of perspective? Well, it was. I, I wanted him to be part of that, and and actually, um, it, my daughter was away and uh, at a, a wedding down in South Florida, and and she wasn't at the uh, news conference afterwards, but she come she came busting in about halfway through the press conference in her uh, maid of honor dress. And she looked like Cinderella going to the ball. It was uh, uh, very special for me, for her to do that. And, but um, yeah, I, I wanted him to, uh, to be around me. It was sort of gave me a lot of relaxation to uh, have him around and, and we would sit there and chit chat and I wouldn't have to uh, sort of think about the, the daily chores of what was going to go on. And, and thank God I didn't uh, move it uh, any further down the line and, and had a big night that night and got them all on Saturday. It it truly was a, a family moment. You know, I, I know the, the touching coming around the bases and the finish of all that. Can you describe that for listeners who may not know all about all that? Billy Hatcher wanted me to give him a hug and I, I didn't think that that was going to be sort of appropriate on a home run. I, I, I was going to hug him if I gave him a single, if I, if I had, had got a single on, uh, on that, but uh, we just high-fived each other. And then I blew a kiss to my mom and rounding the bases. And, and then right before I got to home plate, I looked up uh, to blow my mom another kiss and an unbelievable tackle occurred in front of me. I didn't, I didn't get to see it, but I saw it on replay. And then I said, I've stepped on this home plate so many times that uh, I'm going to kneel down and kiss it. And, and that was sort of a, a response that was just spur of the moment as well. And, and a lot of it not scripted. And I mean, I believe me, a home run was not in the, uh, the, the description at all. And but uh, the first player to ever do it, I was extremely honored to to uh, have that that moniker. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was very special. My father was there. He came on the field and 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 the whole family and my wife and brother-in-law and all of all of all of my close family. And uh, it was really special for my dad to, to get to witness that. You're part of a Rays Hall of Fame class um, that includes Don Zimmer. Um, I'm curious as to how he impacted you 
and how well, you know, what it means to see him be part of a Hall of Fame class uh, for this organization. Well, he did so many great things for for not only the the Tampa Bay Rays, Devil Rays uh, organization, but uh, baseball in general. I I was with uh, Zim in New York when we won the World Series. Probably one of the greatest baseball minds I've ever been around. I, I didn't I didn't. Uh, have him as a manager in Boston. He had, he had already left uh, by the time I had gotten there, but um, I mean, just an, an absolute brilliant baseball mind and, and uh, anybody in their right mind would, would have Zim as, as their bench coach uh, because of the knowledge that he possessed and, and uh, how he can orchestrate and maneuver And you can listen to Neil's full sit-down interview with the great Wade Boggs on Episode 8 of the 25th Anniversary Edition of the Tampa Bay Rays Podcast. Just search Tampa Bay Rays Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And we certainly appreciate Wade Boggs' time on This Week in Rays Baseball. Some really cool stories there. And we also want to thank all of our other guests on the show today, including Rays All-Stars, Randy Rosarena, Yandy Diaz, and Shane McClanahan for sharing their thoughts about being selected to play in the All-Star Game on Tuesday in Seattle. We also appreciate hearing about Tomas Francisco's throwing to Randy Rosarena in the Home Run Derby, which will be on Monday, and catching up with Rays Director of Amateur Scouting Chuck Ritchie ahead of tonight's Major League Baseball draft. And We are going to hope to hear from Chuck as well next week. We have a really exciting show for you. A long sit-down with Rays reliever Jake Diekman. It should probably be a two-parter. What an interesting guy he is. But you can enjoy all of that next week on This Week in Rays Baseball. And we will also hope to hear from both of the Rays' first-round draft picks from tonight's Major League Baseball draft and maybe even the second-round pick. The Rays have the number 19 overall selection in tonight's draft, and then they will also pick 31st overall in what is known as the competitive balance round A. And then their first pick of the second round will be 55th overall, and all three picks will be made this evening. And... You can catch all the action on ESPN and MLB Network, the first 39 picks anyway. And the first pick should begin right around 7 p.m. Eastern Time or 7.07 p.m. Eastern Time. And each pick is timed for about three minutes. So we will look forward to that tonight and see who the Rays come away with in the 2023 Major League Baseball Draft. But if you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me, and you can do so fairly easily at Chris Adams Wall. That's C-H-R-I-S-A-D-A-M-S-W-A-L-L. No hyphen there because Twitter doesn't allow it, at Chris Adams Wall and at Ray's Radio. We also want to thank Jason Berenger back at our network studios for his assistance, plus assistance from Andy Freed, Neil Solons, and Chris Miller, as well as Becca Carney, Parker Welch, and Alex Fuse. I'm Chris Adams-Wall. We're getting ready for the Rays and Braves, the series finale from Tropicana Field. This will be game three of three. 
And the Rays are going to try to snap out of a seven-game losing streak, their longest of the season. And it will also be the final game before the All-Star break, four days where the Rays can reset and recharge the batteries and get ready for the second half of their 2023 campaign. So let's see if the Rays can't snap out of their seven-game skid today. It'll be Zach Eflin on the mound against Bryce Elder. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the game, everybody. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front 4-1. to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.